Welcome to our North Church podcast. We hope this message encourages you. For further information about our church, please visit churchnorth.com or check out our social media at Church North. Today's speaker is Pastor Dave Niblock. John chapter 1 is where we're going. John chapter 1. I'm going to try and read this as quickly as I can. Verse 14. Continuing our gospel series. John chapter 1 verse 14. It says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father. Everybody say this line together. Full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. This gospel series, which we've been on for a while now, if it has done anything at all, it has brought us closer to Jesus. If it has done anything at all, it has drawn us closer to Jesus. We're not trying to bring you closer to a religion in this church. We're not trying to bring you closer to a denomination. We're not trying to bring you closer to a culture. We're not trying to bring you closer to a belief system. We're not trying to bring you closer to an ideology. We're not trying to bring you closer to a concept. Ultimately, we're trying to bring you closer to Jesus. Because it's Jesus who saves How many of you know it's Jesus who heals? It's Jesus who transforms. It's Jesus that died and rose again. It is Jesus at the beginning and it is Jesus at the end. And the Bible says in John chapter 1 that all of the glory and the glory just, what a wonderful word it is. It's just hard to describe that word. It's almost like undefinable what that word is, undescribable. It's just the The light, the magnificence, the beauty, the wonder, the wow of the Father. John is saying all of that glory that was in him, the Father, is in the Son. All of it. There's not like a portion that God has kind of kept back for him to like, no, this is the Father's stuff. (laughs) All of the glory that was in the Father is also in the Son. You know, you've often heard the phrase, like Father, (laughs) like Son. And sometimes sons carry the traits of the Father in different things. Many of you have heard of like footballers, famous footballers, David Beckham, who has sons, and people keep comparing the sons to David Beckham. Can they kick the ball like Beckham? Can they bend it like Beckham? Do they have the same you know, traits as him, pop stars or movie stars or politicians, the traits of the father in the son. But Colossians says that God was pleased, God was pleased, I like that word, to have all of his fullness dwell in him. God was pleased for the fullness of the Father, the traits of the Father, to dwell in the Son. Paul is essentially saying this, when you encounter Jesus, you also encounter God. 
When you encounter Jesus in the Gospels, you are encountering God because the fullness of God is in the fullness of the Son. And therefore, God is a full God. Jesus is, everybody say full. He is full. Jesus is full, the Bible says, of grace and full of truth. How many of you know some people are full of all sorts? (laughs) Some people are full of all sorts of stuff. But the Gospel of John says Jesus, I love that line in verse 14, was full of grace and full of truth. Notice this, it doesn't say he was full of grace. Notice it doesn't say he was full of truth. It is not one or the other, it is both. John is trying to remind us that Jesus is full of both grace and truth. Let me put it like this. He is full of grace and all of that is in the Son. And he is also full of truth that is also in the Son. And the grace and the truth come together to form the character and the nature of Jesus Christ, which is an expression of the glory of the Father. Grace and truth. Hallelujah. Some people in life sometimes major on one or the other. Sometimes some people prefer to major on the grace of Jesus. Well, I'm all about the grace of Jesus. Yeah, I'm a grace, I'm a believer of grace, and I'm a grace person. I'm great, I'm great. And that is fantastic if you are full of grace. Other people major on the truth and go, Yeah, I understand the grace people, but I'm a truth person myself. I'm all about the truth. The, the reality is you can't major on one without the other. Grace and truth in Jesus are one. They are not separate. They form the entity and the unity of Christ. John 1 verse 17, it says, For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So John is saying the law in the Old Testament came through Moses, but what comes through Christ is grace and truth. And so the grace answers to the hesed, okay, the Hebrew, the hesed of the Old Testament, which is God's covenant-keeping, gracious love, which is in the Old Testament and it is in the New Testament. God's gracious, covenant-keeping love is not just a New Testament thing or an Old Testament thing. It runs throughout all of Scripture. The grace is the hesed. The truth answers to the emet, okay? The emet, the Hebrew of the Old Testament, the truth, which is God's covenant-keeping faithful reliability in which there is nothing false or deceitful about God. 
And so because there is nothing false or deceitful about God, God is full of emmet. He is full of truth. And because he is full of truth, that makes him fully reliable. (laughs) Is this making sense? And so in the Old Testament, what we are finding is that the grace and truth that is in God, which came through the law of Moses, is now coming through the Son. His name is Jesus Christ. That is why we cannot major on one at the expense of another. Because the love of God is faithful. The love of God is reliable. The love of God is true. Have you ever, has everyone ever said, I love you? And you're there going, do you really? Or they reply with a text, love you. When God says that he loves you, that is the grace of God, but it is also coming through the truth of God. Why? Because God is fully faithful to his word. He's fully reliable to his word. So God can't simply say, I love you and send an emoji to you because he is truth. And so when the Bible says that God is love, that is not just an opinion or a thought. That is the grace and the truth coming together to express the character and the nature of God. So why you can't abandon Moses and the law. You can't just say, oh, I abandoned Moses, I abandoned the Ten Commandments, I abandoned the law. No, Jesus was the fulfillment of the law. But the law, really, that is established through Moses, the law, if you want to boil it down, the law really is a display of God's love and his truth. The law wasn't there to harm or to hurt. The law was there to protect and provide. The law wasn't there to restrict and make life bad. No, the law was there so that you might enjoy and have life. What does the Bible say? Choose life. And if you want to choose life, that means leading in a direction where you followed the Old Testament laws. And so Jesus doesn't come to abandon them. Jesus comes to fulfill them. And the fulfillment of the law in the Old Testament comes through Christ in the New Testament. But it is still full of what? Grace. And it is still full of truth. (laughs) Is this making sense? In Exodus 34, verse 5 to 6, it says, The Lord, who is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness. That's in Exodus 34. That God, what? Abounds in love and faithfulness. What is faithfulness? Faithfulness is truth that is reliable, that you can stand and build your life upon the faithfulness of God, knowing this is safe, knowing this is not going to collapse, knowing this is not going to shake. No, God is faithful. Why is he faithful? Because he is true. And so his love and his faithfulness comes through the Old Testament. Another way to put it is like this. God is true to his character and his character is gracious, full of love and kindness. So therefore, the unmerited, undeserved favour of God, which is what grace is, is given to us so that we might be able to trust in his faithfulness and his word. 
The grace that we receive enables us to trust in the truth of who God is. Is it a bit deep for some of you today? Some of you are a little bit quiet. Just thinking. If we minimise grace, the world sees no hope for salvation. If we minimise truth, the world sees no need for salvation. Say that again. If we minimise grace, the world sees no hope for salvation. And if we minimise truth, the world sees no need for salvation. It is not good cop and bad cop. Sometimes parents in a household know what this is. Sometimes mum plays good cop, dad plays bad cop. And then another week, dad plays good cop and mum plays bad cop. And the kids kind of go to mum because mum is always good. (laughs) But they don't want to go to dad. Why? Because dad is always bad. (laughs) Or the next week, well, I know dad will... Tell, won't tell me off, but mum will tell me off. Some people see that like grace and truth. Some people see grace as good cop and they see truth as bad cop. How many of you know, how many of you always want good cop? <laughs> I always want good cop. Like, and so some people would see grace preachers as the good cops because they just pour out grace. It doesn't matter, everything's good, God love it, it's all grace, it's all grace, okay, don't worry, just... Don't worry about anything. Just crack on. It's grace. It's grace. It's grace. I'm, I'm simplifying sometimes that message, okay, which is obviously much more powerful and wonderful than what I've just said, but I'm using it for an illustration right now. It's not the fire alarm. It's kids going to the toilet. Okay. <laughs> and so good cop would be the grace preacher and the bad cop would be the truth preacher. Ooh, this Sunday we've got brother so-and-so. He's going to be, the, he's going to be preaching truth. And you go, oh, no. <laughs> This is all going to be about rod and staff. This is all going to be about need to do this and I need to do that. I need to repent. I need to change. I need to do this. Why? Because it's all truth. And so, and sometimes we think, well, I want to go to the grace preacher. I don't want to go to the truth preacher. Listen to me when I say this. Grace and truth are essentials together. They are essentials together. I lavish love and I lavish favor on my kids I don't want to be biased in here, but my kids are my favorite kids in this church. I favor them. Okay? I love them more than any other child in this church. I love all the children in this church, but I have a favor on my children. And so I have grace towards them, but I also commit to teach them to follow a certain path. Okay, this is what I said then. It's not about telling them off. I'm teaching them to follow a path. Now, if they don't follow that path, they will soon realize that they might be on the wrong path. And that is where discipline kicks in. Or that is where correction or rebuke kicks in. Because I cannot just be a parent that loves my kids and let them wander where they want to wander. Let them go where they want to go. Let them do what they want to do. No, I'm not allowing that. They are still my favorites because I'm gracious to them. My love is towards them, but I also teach them to follow a certain path. John chapter 8, I want to read this quickly to you. This passage, and Steve Mawson spoke on this a few weeks ago. 
But it says Jesus at dawn appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses commanded to us to stone such woman. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing them. But Jesus bent down, started to write on the ground with his finger. And when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked a woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. It was the grace of Jesus, remember he's full of it, that had the love and the compassion to not condemn her. Agreed? It was the grace that had the love and the compassion not to condemn her. And it was the truth that led her to believe that a life of sin was not part of her future. And it was truth that told her to leave that life. Jesus didn't just say, I don't condemn you. To which she went, sweet. That's pretty good. That means if it happens again, he won't condemn me again. To which enables her to think, I could keep living this way. No, Jesus ensures the woman knows, I don't condemn you because I'm full of love and grace. And I'm full of that. But I'm also full of truth which is going to speak a word into your life, which now needs to say you now need to leave that life of sin and follow a different path. Because if you don't, you're going to find yourself in a very difficult situation again. And so Jesus still judges the sin, but he provides a way to escape condemnation. You need to know Jesus still judges sin. God still judges sin. But his grace provides a way for all of us to escape condemnation. You could call that mercy. What is mercy? Not getting what we do deserve. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. And whenever I read that story, it always does lead me to ask this question. Am I prepared to judge somebody else's sin and yet tolerate my own? Am I prepared to judge the sin in you and yet tolerate the sin in me? The reality is we have to speak to sin and we have to call sin out. But all of us have to be committed to that. Because if there's just a few of us who are pointing fingers, the reality is all of us have fallen short. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But it is by his grace. That enables us to approach the throne of grace. And so I therefore. Difficult for me to start judging when I'm tolerating my own. If I'm dealing with my own. It gives me more of a permission like Jesus does. To start saying hey I'm going to call this out. But notice the calling out is still absent of condemnation. 
And so I encourage you, if you are calling out sin in anyone else's life, don't do it with a condemning heart. Don't do it with a condemning finger. Do it with a gracious spirit. You can still call people to leave their life of skin through the truth by doing it through the grace that was in Jesus Christ. And time and time again, Jesus reveals his grace and his truth. He finds Zacchaeus who's been stealing money and he says, Zacchaeus, come down from that tree. I'm going to have dinner with you. Everyone's like, why would you have dinner with a thief? And yet Jesus sits and has dinner with him. Why? Because he is gracious and compassionate. And then Zacchaeus leaves that dinner and says, the truth of Jesus has caused me to repent. And so now I'm going to give back to everybody what I have taken from them. It is the exhibition of the glory of the Father being fulfilled through the Son of His grace and His truth. Through the Gospels, time and time again, it is grace and truth. Grace and truth. And it was grace that led them to the truth. But hear me, it can also be truth that leads you to the grace. Grace will lead you to truth. And truth will lead you to grace. A couple of weeks ago we went to this farm. And there was a maze at this farm. And the kids were going through the farm. And there was an entry. And there was an exit. What was funny is when you went through the entry. The only way to get out was through the exit. And as you went through the exit. Guess what? The only way to get out of the maze was through the entrance. It is a picture of grace and truth. If you go through grace, it will lead you through truth. And if you go through truth, guess what? It will lead you to grace. They are not two separate mazes. They are together and they are one. Grace and truth. Grace is what we receive and the truth is what we believe about what we have received. And so we are saved, the Bible says, clearly by grace. How many of you know that? We are not saved by works. I don't have to do certain things. I'm well done for being in church today, but this does not guarantee your salvation. (laughs) Well done for giving today in the offering. Unfortunately, it doesn't guarantee your salvation. Well done for reading your Bible today. Did you? Don't lie to me. I'm going to condemn you with this finger. Whether you read the Bible or not doesn't guarantee your salvation. Your salvation can only be guaranteed, what? Through grace. Which comes through what? Through faith. I can't receive and achieve my salvation through works. It comes through grace. And so we are saved by grace, but we are set free by truth. And so the Israelites were saved by the compassion of of God. And, it was, and their freedom to live with God came through the law. So God saved the Israelites from Pharaoh and took them through the sea. It was gracious, kind and compassionate. But their freedom to live with God came through the truth of following these things. Okay, if I follow this, I can follow this. It brought a freedom to those people now like I've said the law is fulfilled through Christ and he still saves us with grace and he still frees us with truth okay he still saves us with grace 
and he still freezes with truth. That's why there are a lot of saved Christians who don't live free. Did you hear that? There are plenty of saved Christians who don't live free because they've received the grace, but yet they haven't believed the truth. They've received the grace. Why would we not want to receive the grace? But yet they've not believed and outworked and lived the truth. And so today, receive the grace of God. Every single one of you in this room, receive the grace of God. Some of you today need a fresh revelation of His grace. A fresh revelation of His grace. Almost like it's fresh bread. His grace, the Bible says, undeserved. I don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. I don't have qualifications to achieve it. It's undeserved. And His grace is unreserved. There's no limits to it. It just abounds. Today, get a fresh revelation of His grace. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 12 verse 19 that Paul had the thorns in his flesh that were causing him to be weak. But yet the Bible says the grace of God was sufficient for him. Because Christ's power was made perfect. What? In his weakness. The grace of God is sufficient for you to live your life. And your weakness becomes an opportunity for his strength when you submit your life and you submit your weakness to the Father. And so today, receive the grace of God and stop trying to prove yourself good. Stop trying to prove yourself good. Yeah, well, I'm good. I'm gooder than you. And I'm gooder than them. And as a church, we're gooder than them. Stop trying to prove yourself good. The only reason you are good is because God is good and because He is gracious to you. That is the only way and the only reason I and you can be good. His grace knows no limits. His grace saves you. It protects you. It heals you. But the purpose of His grace is not to enable you now just to live how you want to live. Paul is very clear in Romans chapter 5. Look what it says. Romans chapter 5 verse 20. The law was brought in so that trespass might increase. But where sin increased, what? Grace increased all the more. Verse 21. I will read it. It says, So that just as sin reigned in death, so also what? Grace might reign through righteousness To bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What shall we say then? Shall we just go on sinning so that grace may increase? Paul says, by no means. For we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? True grace will cause you to change direction. True grace that Paul says, once you've received it, will cause you to change direction. The sin that you were once in doesn't become as appealing as anymore. Why? Because you've received the grace. Therefore, you want to follow the truth. And the truth is different from the lie. 
So I also walk in grace, the unmerited favour of God. And in John 1, it says grace upon grace, grace, grace. I don't deserve it, but God is still kind to give it. And if you are going into situations this week, you need to start declaring grace, grace over those situations. If you have business deals, grace, grace. If you have exams, grace, grace. If you are, I don't know, making big decisions in your life, grace, grace. You don't deserve the outcome and the goodness of maybe that outcome, but grace, grace, the unmerited, undeserved, unreserved favour of God makes a way. Hallelujah. So today, how many of you want to receive the grace of God? Secondly and finally, as we close, receive the truth of God. You know, in October, we start our second module in our Bible school. It is the doctrine of God, the character and the nature of God. Because you need to know the character and the nature of God because it is summed up in truth. The Bible says it is impossible for God to lie. Because you know what? If God came and saw this t-shirt and said, it's blue, I'd go, it's not blue, it's white. It's, It's clearly white. But you see, as God, as soon as God says it's blue, guess what? It becomes blue. <laughs> he speaks truth. It is impossible, the Bible says. Impossible. Impossible. I think that's French. For God to lie. Therefore, everything that comes from him, everything that comes from him is what? If it's impossible for him to lie, everything that comes from him is truth. I can't say that about myself. I'd like to say that everything, but sometimes some things are like, you know, like Abs always laughs at me because sometimes she's, you know, she'll ring me up like, are you on your way home? Yeah, I'm on my way home. Whereabouts are you? And I'll be like, I'm in, I'm in Rawdon. When I might be like half a mile from Rawdon. But I'm, I'm saying something because I know She's going to want me to be in Rawdon. (laughs) But I didn't leave early enough to be in Rawdon. So right now, I'm not yet in Rawdon. I'm kind of a little bit behind Rawdon. But now she just needs to go on, find my phone. (laughs) Which is truth. You know you're not. I know where you are. You're still on Kirkstall Road. Even when sometimes people say, hey, how are you doing? Yeah, good, thanks, yeah, good. How many of you know that's not truth? How's this thing going? Oh, it's all, yeah, it's brilliant. Business, never better. You know you've got no cash to pay your staff next week. But we kind of swerve. It's impossible for God to swerve. And truth hurts sometimes. I mean, if you know, truth hurts sometimes. I don't like, sometimes it's like, oh, I kind of wish I didn't know that. Because that's hurtful. Truth hurts sometimes. I haven't got time to go into it now, but the Bible talks about the wrath of God. When God gets angry. The Bible talks about the fear of God. Because there should be an element of fear within us. Because God cannot be mocked. And God cannot be deceived. So no wonder he gets angry when we try and mock him or deceive him. Why? Because he is truth. 
He is full of truth. And the reason God gets angry is because he is true. And the reason he is full of love is because he is true. And in a world of lies, Jesus comes in the flesh to speak and to be and to give and to teach and to live as the one true God. That is why in John chapter 8, verse 31 to 32, Jesus says, if anyone wants to be my disciple, you need to hold on to my teaching. Hold on to my teaching. And if you hold on to my teaching, then you will know the truth. And guess what? The truth will set you free. What are you holding on to? Because even when it's not popular, and even when it's not the norm, and even when it's not the cultural acceptance, the teaching of Jesus leads to truth. And it is truth that will lead to freedom. And truth is not just about right or wrong. Truth is a spirit. The Bible says in John 16, verse 13, that the spirit of truth comes. The Holy Spirit will guide you. That is why the Holy Spirit can guide you into what the Bible says, all truth. And you and I need the Holy Spirit because without Him, I'm living in the dark. But with Him, the Holy Spirit guides me. What does the Bible say? In all truth truth who guides you today who's guiding you allow the spirit of truth to guide you because we are a church of grace and truth why are we a church of grace and truth because we follow the person of Jesus the glory of God who is full of grace and truth, the fullness of the Father was pleased to be in the Son. Therefore, we worship Father, Son, and Spirit, knowing that they are full, the Trinity, full of what? Grace and truth in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet today.